just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, welcome to Life Today Live. I had the wrong button. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about something today that's going to help you guys uh, because we all, if you haven't had a, a period of loss and grief in your life, you will. And so if, if you're going through that, this is going to really be good for you. Uh, if you're still kind of hurting from that, again, good for you. And if you're in a great season, this will be great information to help you navigate those times when they do come because that's life. We have loss. We have grief. We have grief. We have disappointment. Uh, you know, sometimes life just kind of falls apart. So my guest today uh, is Lisa Apollo, and she has been through it. Uh, and you're going to hear from her, and, and we're going to kind of springboard off of a book that she has that's available. It's a great resource. It's called Life Can Be Good Again. Uh, and this is hope for you guys out there. Uh, this is wonderful information. I do want to show you one thing real quick because my pastor brought this up. Um, recently in church, and I, I'd never heard it, uh, and evidently it's it's known out there in in certain circles, counseling circles and stuff. But it, it's called the ABCs of emotion, and look at the, look, A, B, and C. There's there's an activating event in your life, something that happens that you don't cause, that you can't stop, you can't control, and then there's your belief system. And when you put those two things together, what you get is the third thing, which is the consequence. And if you think about this, you look at people that have been through things, uh, maybe divorce, uh, maybe losing a loved one, maybe the loss of a job or a career or wh whatever it is. And it doesn't, the consequences are not the same for everybody. Why is that? Well, it gets down to your belief system. So today we're going to get down to the root of the outcome of all the situations in life that are tough. And that is what you believe so welcome to the journey hi judy great to have you out there uh if you're live watching you're invited to be a part of the conversation if you haven't subscribed or followed we invite you to do that now lisa apollo welcome to life today live it's great to have you thank you so much for having me i'm happy to be here randy i appreciate you giving space to this conversation well it's necessary and um my my, my go-to is uh, I'm not an expert on everything, so I bring in people who really work in the different areas we talk about. And you've you've done a lot of really helpful things in this area. But I, I'm guessing this is not what you chose in your life. I mean, you you didn't choose the thing that kind of put you on this path. You've obviously chosen this path. But tell people a little bit about what happened to you that made you have to deal with this. You you had no choice. Yes. So my activating situation came from nowhere. I think for most of us, you know, these are things we don't plan at all. They kind of hurl into a life that we've planned and we have played out the way we want it to go. Ours happened um, about 10 years ago. It was actually Father's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And so it was the middle of June. I'm a mom of seven. Um, I was staying at home at that point. I had, I had worked, you know, earlier, full-time, part-time. But at this point in life, I had a four-year-old, six-year-old, all the way up to 19-year-old. And, you know, life was not perfect by any stretch, but it was the life that I wanted. I think if you had asked me, I would have said, I'm. this is what I wanted out of life. It was simple. It was my family and raising them. But on a very, what I thought was a normal Friday morning, I woke to my husband's uh, 
funny breathing. And I wasn't even awake enough to open my eyes, but I, I woke up and heard it and kind of stretched my hand over and nudged him and said, it's just a nightmare, hun. And I fully expected that he would turn over, that we would go back to sleep and that we would wake up to his alarm in a couple hours. And as I woke up more, he didn't stop breathing and that funny breathing. And um, as I woke up more to that, I realized that this was altogether different. This was not like a normal snoring noise. And so I jumped out of bed, turned on the overhead light, and I could see immediately that something was very wrong. Um, and so then, you know, you, I went into crisis management mode. Um, I, we called 911 as, as my four-year-old would often come down during the night from her bed and she was sleeping right next to her dad, right in between the two of us. My big kids were outside on sleeping bags and I, they heard me cry out to their dad, you know, can you hear me? I, I wasn't getting any response. And so they came in and I began to say, you know, go get your fireman neighbor, Seth, and um, Rachel, take the little ones upstairs and Nick call 911. And the CPA, the, the operator began to walk me through, CP, you know, CPR. I did not even get through two full rounds when the paramedics came in. So I thought, okay, he is in good hands and he is going to be so mad when he wakes up and realizes he's going to have to miss work today. Mm-hmm. Um, they shushed me out of the room as they do. And I began pacing outside our, our bedroom, just still dark outside. Um, kids upstairs now just pacing and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. And they took him by ambulance to the hospital. Um, I followed and it was not long after getting there that they took me into that room you never wanna go into. I had seen other people go into that room. It's kind of a counseling room and leave crying. And so all, you know, I could see all this leading to an outcome that I did not want. Mm -hmm. And um, in that room, ER doctor told us that they had worked on him for over two hours and they had never been able to revive him. And so that was it. Like one night sleep, life just was shredded, just shattered in every way possible. And there had been no signs, no symptoms, no warning that that we did not know that there was an underlying heart condition. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had, how many kids did you have when, when he passed? Well, I, I had seven. I still have seven. And they were all at home at that point. Um, my youngest was four. Yeah. At a four-year-old, a six-year-old, 12, 14, 16, 17, and 19. Five boys, two girls. You, you, you're uh, you're not just a widow, um, a grieving widow, but a single mom of seven kids. How in the world? I mean, that <laughs> that's... Uh, that is devastating. I, I I can't even imagine what where do you where do you go from there? Yeah, it, it's too much. These kind of situations are really just too. They're too much. We're not created to handle these things mm. on our own. You know, these kind of scripts we never would write into our life. And so for me, I was very desperate. I mean, I was a woman who followed hard after the Lord. You know, I I had tried to raise my children in the in the faith. And I thought I had a strong faith, but when life just shatters, wow. And that rug is pulled out from under you. Um, we have a choice, just like you said, we have a choice in that situation. We have this situation that happens to us that we don't have a choice over. And then we have a choice of how we're going to respond. And we can either turn against God and say, you did this to me and you could have saved him Mm -hmm. and you didn't. Um, and so you're not good. 
because because right. I don't feel good in this situation and I didn't get the outcome I want. We can turn against God. We can turn bitter. We can kind of go on numb. Like, okay, I'm just going to live out the rest of my you know days on, on numb because my first choice is gone. I think for me, I was a desperate woman and I, I felt certain that we would survive it. I wanted to make sure my seven children survived it, mm. but I wanted more than that. I wanted to, to smile again. I wanted to feel that bubbling happiness that just happens from these moments of life that come. I did not want to go numb and I did not want to have all of life now have this pall cast over life that all of life would now be bad, mm. even though that's what it felt like. Yeah. I have to say, it's not like I just launched into this, like, oh, like I did not wrap this up or put some kind of Band-Aid over this. Listen, life was devastating and I was devastated. And so the only thing I knew to do was to, uh, I was desperate for the word of God. I would kind of get my kids started every morning and this was the summer. So we were on summer schedule. I would get them started in the morning and then I would get alone with the Lord in my minivan. I say, some people have prayer closets. <laughs> I have a minivan. And it was in that minivan that I just started daily. Like I would cry out to the Lord. I would give him my fears, my, our needs, uh, my overwhelm, uh, just everything, all of my emotions, just my broken heart. You know, I don't understand this. How are you going to walk us through this? And then I would pick up the word and I was reading through the Bible. In fact, I wasn't, I hadn't even started reading through the Bible for a year, but Dan had been reading through the Bible on this, you know, yearly read through the Bible for a year. And I picked up his reading plan and his um, journal hmm. and just turned to whatever page it was in June. And I didn't go look for verses to meet me or to say what I wanted. It did not matter whether I was in Leviticus or mm -hmm. Psalms or the New Testament, God would meet me on the pages of scripture mm -hmm. and he would remind me of who he is, his character and his promises. And it was enough hope to go back in and do what I needed to do that day to show up for my kids. It wasn't enough for the week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that uh, yeah. Two, two questions out of that. Um, <clears throat> One of them is that, that, you know, people that I've talked to that have been in situations where, you know, the, the rest of us just can't imagine being, and it's just too, too much. They, they, they go through the why most of them say they don't stay there, but they, they at least tend to go through the why, why God, why did this even happen? Why did you let this happen? You know, uh, not always, why did you make this happen? We don't blame God, everything, you know, the good things come from God, but you get a little theological there, but did you, did you sit in the why at all? And if so, for how long? I did not. Um, I only can say that that was probably the grace of God for me. Um, I did understand enough theology. I had, I had seen bad things happen to other people, friends. Mm -hmm. And I remembered, you know, these, these things that we learn early on, they become part of our faith bank. Yeah. And then we need them. We make these emergency withdrawals. And one of the things in my faith bank was a sermon that a pastor had done when a young mom had suffered her second full-term miscarriage. So full-term child loss, second time. Mm -hmm. And our whole church was reeling. We were all grieving and, and asking like, how, why? And, and our pastor really walked us through why is there suffering? And so I kind of had a foundation that, that we have suffering that as believers, we don't get a pass from it. You know, we live in a fallen world and things are gonna happen. 
And so I didn't sit in the why. I, I kind of really moved quickly to what now? Yeah. And how are you, how are you, how in the world are you going to fix eight broken hearts and provide for us and help me get these kids to adulthood? Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that is, is that, that the why doesn't get people very far. Usually they may get some comfort, but where they, where they're able to move forward is, is when they get to the what now? I mean, literally those words, I, I yeah. it, it's, it's very, very interesting. My second question you, you touched on. And that is, uh, how critical was it that you went to God daily and didn't get a good word on Sunday and right through the week? Yeah, Um, it was critical. God, you know, the word became my spiritual food. And, um, you know, I I think we we always need God daily. It's really a myth to think that we can get through any day without the Lord. That's just our idols of self-control and self-sufficiency that we can handle it. But when life empties, in in ways like this and you mentioned you know it could be a it could be a health diagnosis it could be a job loss it could be child loss it could be an adult relationship that is has gone awry or a divorce there are so many ways that life can just implode on us um we really realize that those myths that we had those idols that we had set up were just you know they were idols of self-control and self-sufficiency that god made us for this relationship of utter dependency. I would, I think for over a year, I would write in all caps, bold at the top of my journal, this is too hard. I cannot do this. And that was the cry of my heart. I mean, maybe people saw me walking around thinking you're so strong, but I knew, I knew I was facing a task that was too big for me. But what it did was it made me a hundred percent dependent on God in ways I had never been before. And it, and it enabled me. And I remember sitting down with my kids um, after the memorial, when the house quieted, everybody went home, saying to my children, you, this is not what I would have chosen for you, but you have a chance to see God in ways that you never would have before, wow. that most people your age won't see. That, uh, so the <laughs> where you were at was obviously a very, very difficult position as a, a wife, right? But as a mother, how do you, how, how do you even navigate the, the brokenness of seven children like that? Yeah. I think all parents have been through situations where we can't fix something for our kids. Right. And that's such pain. I mean, we carry that grief because we want to reach in and we want to just smooth out their places. Um, But I think we have to know a couple things. Number one is that God is shaping them to be the people that he wants, shaping them to be like his son, Christ. And these are the circumstances where he can work so well. And so our job really as parents is to is to model how to handle these hard emotions, these hard places, these places that aren't wrapped up in a bow, you know. Um, they will live their life without their earthly biological father. And um, and then to also use it to strengthen our family. You know, this could have, I felt very intensely that the enemy was getting his big toe into our family 
And, you know, we had done all these things. We had done, you know, I did daily Bible with my kids. We were homeschooling. Not that I ever thought that those were the answers to raising kids, but we had been very proactively trying to shape a good, solid family Mm -hmm. as best we knew how. And boy, this just could have undone everything. You know, I didn't even know how my kids would react. And so using these times to just, there were a few things that I did and I was so grief naive. So I did not do everything perfectly at all, but I did know enough to know that we would all grieve differently. And I said that, I said, you know, we're all gonna grieve differently. We're gonna need to have a lot of grace with each other. And so that grace kind of became our go-to and my go-to in parenting. And then to to just create a warm um, home where they would be safe to grieve, where they would be safe to ask the hard questions, where we would kind of go through it together. You know, when my tweens and teens would go out, they wanted life as normal. They didn't want to be that kid whose dad, you know, they just wanted to be on the sports team or youth group. They didn't want to be singled out. But to walk through these hard questions with them and and then to keep the conversation going for a long, long time. Because what you discover when you go through anything like this is it's not, this is not a year. This is not two years. You know, we just went through Father's Day. We just went through his, the day of his, um, that he was called home to heaven. And as long as it's been, it's still such a tender day. And so to keep that conversation going, you know, how are you doing? What are you feeling? What do you miss most? Here's who your dad was telling stories. Mm. He'd be so proud of you. Oh, my goodness. All right. We're talking to Lisa Apollo, uh, and this is her book, Life Can Be Good Again, where she talks about her story, but she also offers that that hope to others that are going through difficult times. How long was it before you, Lisa, realized that for you, yes, even for you, because I think we tend to think we're special. It, It may work for other people, but it doesn't work for us. When did you realize that your life could be good again? Yeah, I, it's a big promise, right? To tell somebody who is in the, you know, devastation of what they thought life would look like, that life will be good again. But I wanted that. I wanted to know that I would smile again. I would say though, it did not come quickly. I was, like I said, I was grief naive. And I remember telling somebody, if we can just make it through all the firsts, our first year, um, a very dear friend warned me that number, that year two can often be harder. And I, I think a lot of people who've walked through grief, um, especially coming off the couple of years that we've had, there are a lot of people in that situation, maybe finding that the second year is harder in many ways. Um, for me, one day I was sitting in my minivan again, talking to the Lord. And I just, this, this came, this bubbled to the top of my thoughts. I don't like my life. And I was just kind of an admission, you know, Um, that this was not what I had ordered. And I think I felt that I, I could make the most out of this life, but that I was consigned to living out the leftovers of the life that I wanted, that everything good that I wanted was behind me. And then on the other side of this fulcrum that I would just have to make the best of it. And on the heels of kind of thinking, I, I don't like my life came these thoughts. And that is that this is the life that God has allowed. And as such, it is not his plan B that while it was unexpected for me, that God does not give his children a plan B. He would never, could never give us second best. And so he hadn't turned his head. He hadn't let something go um, that let 
because he had allowed it, by definition, there was as much abundance and goodness and joy on this side of Dan's death as there was all the years before. Mm. And I didn't immediately like feel better. I didn't say, oh, okay, well, I feel (laughs) all better now. But what it did is it kind of realigned me to the truth that I, that this wasn't a second, that this was a chapter two, it wasn't plan B. And I could lean hard into that until my emotions and, you know, the soft, the grief softened and it caught up to the truth. Now that's very interesting because I think too often it's easy for us to let our beliefs follow our emotions. And what Mm. you're suggesting is that you decided through your time with God that no, what this is truth here. So therefore I will believe it. And eventually your emotions caught up to it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And, and we see this, that's, that's great because over and over in the Psalms, we, well, we see it all through the word, but especially in the Psalms, we see this pattern um, of lament where David brings his very raw emotion. Sometimes I think we, we feel like we have to show up faking that we're okay with the Lord or faking that, oh, you know, faking our emotions. But if we would open to the the Psalms and read through any of them, we see that so many of them are Psalms of lament where David is just bringing his raw emotion, like how long, oh Lord, or why are you allowing this? Um, Or I'm in the pit, my bones are wearing away. And so bring those emotions, whatever they are, and they could be, you know, despair, uh, missing loneliness, sadness, anger, bring those to the Lord. And, um, and then the second part of it is to leave them with him and to trust him. And so what we're really doing is in it's an exchange because our emotions will lie to us all day long. You know, our emotions are really good at telling us the, the, the truth of this moment of the pain that we've gone through and the pain we're experiencing, but they cannot predict the future. And so when we bring our emotions to God, we say, I am hurting, but I trust you. This is not what I wanted, but I trust you. Yeah, David's good at, at kind of dumping everything on God and then declaring truth. Yeah. And and it seems like that's what that's what brings him out of whatever it is. And, and I, I think that's just true. I think it's a beautiful example that we're given through the, through the Psalms. Um, in all that, you, I, I'm... A lot of what you do now is to talk to people who are going through these periods of grief. Um, what do you, what do you run into that is maybe problematic? That a sticking point for a lot of people that they have to kind of work through in order to get to chapter two. Yeah, I think one of the big sticking points that I see um, is I get DMs like this, I get emails like this mm-hmm. all the time. I talk to people over coffee. Um, with this, God could have, God could have made the outcome different. God could have, you know, prevented this heart attack altogether Mm -hmm. for my husband or allowed me to wake up sooner or brought him back. And for somebody else, you know, God could have saved their loved one. God could have saved their marriage. God could have prevented this chronic health diagnosis. And so we wrestle with the sovereignty of God, his, his um, omnipotence. He is all powerful. And what we're saying when we say that is we believe you're all powerful. You just didn't work that power for me the way I wanted in this yeah. situation. Yeah. But the what, you know, and I understand that wrestle, but listen, we are 
all of us going to meet multiple, multiple places until we get to heaven where a situation doesn't turn out the way we want it, whether they're smaller or they're big like this. And we just have to know that God's, um, his, his power is being worked for his good. And, and we, he is, he is not here as our Santa Claus that he's not here just to dish out what we want in life, to dish out, you know, the way we want things. And this goes every, you know, it's everything from, you know, the home we have to the struggles we have to, we just, it really, at the end of the day, we have to realign our heart and say, I am your, I am the clay and you are the yeah. potter. Yeah. And I cannot tell the potter how to make the clay or what to do with it. Oh, you know, and, and here's the hard truth about that. Uh, it comes down to selfishness. It does. In, in, in other words, yeah. um, and, and this goes across not just the grief aspect. I mean, it can come in roles of, of justice and mercy, you know. And, and when, yeah. when God doesn't do or he allows, you know, whatever to happen uh, in this fallen world, however you want to come at it, it it ultimately gets down to this is my idea of how things should be God and they aren't that way therefore I don't think you're good or I resent you or I'm walking away from you or I'm, I'm gonna stay over here in this position to guard myself because I've been hurt by you know even when I was trusting you in, in your case you know you guys are doing everything right and I think I think that the key to getting out of that stuck position, which is selfishness, uh, and, and at, 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 it's hard to it's hard to hear, especially if you're there because you feel justified. Yeah. But the key is surrender. It's yeah. not what you do; it's what you don't do. In other words, you, you get out of the way, and it's less of self, which allows more of God, which then you start to see the things like the joy and the peace and the purpose come back in. Does that resonate at all? Yes. And honestly, the best thing God could allow for us is for us to let go of our grip of things of this world Yeah, and to get our focus on heaven. You know, even, you know, as believers, we think we're doing that. We <laughs> think that we are doing that but we get caught up in this life right here, even in good things, our family or, you know, our work, our ministry, our relationships. But when these circumstances happen and they, they just empty life of so much of what we thought would be there, we just realize that this world by any measure is short yep. and we better be about eternity yep. and we better loosen our grip Things that are not big matters here, they're not big matters. And that is a good lesson to say, this is not the life I ordered, but you have given me this life. And so um, I live it for you, however many years you give me. Yeah, and it is all about surrendering our, not just, here's the thing for me as a mom, surrendering not just my life, but the childhood I wanted for my children. Yeah, and that's hard. That, that may be the bigger challenge. And, and you know, I like that you went to the, the eternal perspective aspect of it. When I lost my younger sister, that really, that became kind of big in my life because you realize, okay, 
if what God says is true, <laughs> and, we, and we claim to believe it, then it's not, this life is not about this life as much as it is about eternity. And this life is basically a refining fire to set us up for eternity. And don't we want to be set up in the best way possible, which is to become more like Christ, which is less of me, more like him, trusting him through the hard times and not loving the things of this world, Uh, which even the good things in this world that we can justify loving, you know, your your family situation is what you wanted. Husband, seven children. You know, you're doing the right things. You're loving. You're serving God. You're honoring God in your family. And then that breaks apart. If you if you stay there, I don't know that you ever get out. Uh, you yeah. never get to chapter two. Um, but if you understand the eternal perspective, you you can go. Okay, I don't like it, but God, I trust you. Now what? And you move on. And now, what are you seeing as you? talk to others and you know, have coffee with others, walk with others who are, are struggling in, in that place of grief. What are you seeing? One of the best things I hear is for those who are kind of um, have walked through that fresh grief, you know, that fresh grief is just so hard. Mm-hmm. You're just battling moment by moment and day by day. But many of those who have walked through maybe that first fresh grief say, I would never want to go back to the person I was before. Mm. They realize that broken open before God allows God to do so much in us, to just clean us out. It really reveals so much that we've been clinging to, the idols that we've been talking about just now. Um, It helps realign us. And God really, he can take a shattered heart and reshape it for him. And so he, he, for instance, in my life, he has given me compassion for things that I never had compassion for. He's given me a passion for things that I never had a passion for. And those are all great things. And as hard as um, this has been to walk through, and as much as I would love to see Dan, you know, again, um, I would, would not want to go back to the girl I was before. Mm. And really my prayer has been, Lord, this is a hard prayer, but Lord, do not let me just accept this, but let me agree with it. Oh, that wow. you get all things right. Ooh, that's a, that's, if that you can you get got to it that right. place, say it again. Don't let me just accept this, right. but let me agree with it, that you get all things right. Right. Okay. When you, it, when you get to that point, there's something significant happening because that I don't think we can do that on our own. No, it is absolutely a hundred percent surrender. You know, we see this w- with Paul who grappled with that thorn. We don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but three times, and he was a man of powerful prayer. You know, Lord, take this from me, and God said, "I have something better for you. I have my grace. I have my grace that is sufficient." Uh, yeah, and that's a hard one too. Is, is is it really sufficient? We we say we believe it, but man, when we hit certain points like that, it tests us. It, it tests does. us. And if we understand what James said, that that the the testing of our faith actually produces good things. Uh, yeah. And so, but man, uh, so many good things. Now you've got a resource out there. I want to show people your website. This is lisaapello.com, uh, and I put that in the chat. But you've also got. Uh, sort of a subsite of that and the URL is hopeingrief.com where you've got a little resource right here free for people that are going through uh, grief. Tell them about that real quick because some people need that. 
Sure. This is seven days of hope for your shattered heart. And it's really not that seven days is going to cure anything, but you know, we, when you hit a place of just devastation, however that comes for you, um, we, we need to find our footing. It feels like so much has shifted and it has so much, a massive change has come. How do we even begin to take those next steps? So this seven days of hope for your shattered heart will begin to give you very proactive steps that you can take to find your footing and to begin moving forward. It's, it goes really right back to what you opened with. How do, what do we do in that place when we've had that event that's mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. That is at hopeingrief.com, hopeingrief.com. It's in the chat if you're watching the chat, but that's where that button is. Uh, so if, you, if you're at that point, just reach out Lisa's walk through this and she's got some really good some good pointers to help you walk through it because it's, it's not easy nobody I'm not here to tell you it's easy what I'm mm-hmm. here to tell you is that there is there is hope you know we walk through that valley of the shadow of death it is it is dark it is deep it is real but if you keep walking then you can you can get to the other side there's only a shadow because there's light and you can mm. get to the light if you keep walking. Lisa, is there anything I missed? Anything you want to add before I let you guys? So appreciate this today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I would just tell anybody who finds themselves in that place to just be gentle with, with themselves and just mm. to be honest that that um, and to do that hard work. You know, I think so often we want to escape those hard emotions or mask them because they just unsettle us, but they don't unsettle God. And so, you know, if you will grieve on your terms now or on these terms that we've been talking about through lament, then grief will not come back on its terms later. It's really the healthiest way to walk through a situation that you didn't want. So good. I so much appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate all that you do. Keep having coffee with people. You're doing a wonderful service. (laughs) Appreciate you. you. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys watching out there. If you know someone that needs to hear this, share it please do share it and if you haven't subscribed or liked or followed please do that and come back we've got more for you here on life today live check out hopeandgrief.com looks like this and get that free resource if you need it if we have confidence guide us it is god mercy the same for you the same for every man you will get down on heaven whether they believe it or not We float on the vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.